This is the Software and Technology Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you information, education, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. The more diversity of thought of the people working at tech companies, the better. The blockchain idea was around 91, the same idea of in the digital world, we need verifiable documents. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Software and Technology Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. So big data and cloud computing for a while were seen as the computational and storage answer to the influx of information that companies were beginning to manage. Now with each next upgrade to cloud capabilities, it's pretty clear that the technology is approaching a kind of a plateau. And our storage needs aren't going away either. So what is the solution to creating efficient data transfer and reinvigorating the data center? Here to try to answer that question and shed some light on their solution are Scott Shadley, Vice President of Marketing for NGD Systems, and Andy Lee, Director of Product and Marketing for EchoStreams. Scott, Andy, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you on. How are you both doing? Good. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, doing well as well. It's a great Monday, so. <laughs> it is a great Monday, yes. We've got Labor Day approaching, so one more full week and then some reprieve. <laughs> so before we jump in, Scott, um, to kind of educate myself on this topic before I hosted it, uh, I actually watched a few videos of yours that were really well done, some great explainers, um, and you've got this really cool setup where I guess there's a glass board in front of you that's completely see-through that you're writing on. How do you get that set up to work so that there's no glare and it's it's that clean um, and, you know, we're not seeing any of the reflection off the glass because it's a total good look? Uh, I have to claim the fame that that wasn't me. I, I uh, worked oh. <laughs> with another company to do that. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the concept is just nice because you can uh, write, on, write, write on the screen in front of you and not have to kind of turn your back to the to the cameras. But... The whole thing was just uh, working around doing education around the technology that we're talking about today. I love that. If people want to, after this podcast, follow up with a little more content, uh, where can they find those videos? Uh, that particular video is hosted by an analyst called Storage Switzerland, and we can uh, provide a link in uh, for that as well. All right. So to jump into the main topic, I think it's best... Uh, to understand kind of where we're going with computational storage. And to do that, I think we need to unpack the history and how it's evolved. So Andy, Scott, if you um, both want to give your perspective here on what that evolution of computational storage looks like, I think that history lesson will help set the stage for what we're going to dive into in a little bit. Yeah, I think um, uh, if you we look back to the history in the computing, you know, when everything started as uh, mainframe and then later on as a PC revolution uh, in the late 70s and 80s. And then um, uh, everything swing back to, um, to the uh, server or main central location when the internet uh, came up. Uh, and next decade, uh, or, or you know, more or less the next decade, we will see the uh, the rise of uh, cell phone and everything switch back to the client side, and then now in the in the, the other pendulum side with cloud and everything switching back to to centralized uh, data. So I think we in the cups of 
switching back to the other side where the client or what we call executing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree with Andy there from that perspective that um, we, we've seen ebbs and flows of the storage architectures and storage hierarchies over the years from mainframes to SANS to NAS to hyperconverged to, to composable and all those different aspects. And the one thing that's constant in all of that or has historically been constant in all of that is compute, memory, and storage were always uh, thought of as singular items that were linked together in some way by some kind of communication. They, they weren't matched, if you will. They weren't paired together. And in the last five years, even last decade, there's been a lot of looking into changing that and modifying the way systems and platforms work and combining pieces and parts of that. And so you start getting things where people talk about in memory and you get people talking about, you know, doing all this migration of technology from place to the other, but never did look at it on the storage front. And so computational storage is taking two of those major pieces, the compute, which is the brains and the most intelligent, quote unquote, intelligent part of the server, and putting some of that horsepower, that capability into the actual storage device. And the reason you're doing that is twofold. One, the amount of data we're generating today is just astronomical. And two, it gives you the ability to scale because that's one thing that we run into a lot now is I need more storage, but I also need more compute to go with the storage. And there's never been a perfect marrying of the two until we get into the realm of computational storage. And what would you say is motivating that kind of reframe by the industry to think of storage in that larger viewpoint of, of I guess, a more comprehensive ecosystem? Yeah, for me, I, and from the way I look at it, it's people need to get results from their data. The data is being generated in larger quantities away from our cloud, our data center, our mainframe, whatever you want to call it. The data is generated at endpoints, whether it be an autonomous vehicle, an aircraft, surveillance cameras, the scanners at all of the airports, all that kind of stuff. You need the results now. We're, we're, we're I, I want it now type of society. And that's that the truth is there with analytics on our data. And so the fact that we're requiring that data to be moved around so much is what's creating the need for this concept of being able to do a little bit more before you move it. And that's what computational storage can provide. And then the second aspect of it is a lot of this focus around things like GPDR and other privacy concerns. Because anytime I move someone else's data, I expose that person's data and I create a security risk. So the, the more I can prevent moving somebody else's information or I can move it in a more efficient, compact, encrypted way, the better. And the only way you can accomplish all of those tasks is by moving some form of compute into the storage and stop treating people's data as just zeros and ones being stored on a brick, but make that storage device, that brick, be able to do something with those zeros and ones in a, in a more effective and efficient way. Okay, let's break down now what the current issues are with data transfer and storage today. Uh, I think a big motivator for wanting to kind of restructure how we think about computational storage comes from the growth that we're seeing in solid-state infrastructures. Um, so as those solid-state infrastructures grow, what challenges have you all seen arise? I think uh, when you have the data that's generated, a lot in um, by the end user um, it's hard to transfer all the data to the cloud or on the centralized server 
um, because you just have a limited bandwidth on the network. And transferring all the data to the network is also going to cost money because uh, network bandwidth is actually costs some money too to, to get that. Um, so I think that's part of the reason computational storage is going to solve this. Yeah, and, and to add on to that, an, an aspect of it comes into play with, as you talked about it, you know, as you mentioned, these different uh, evolutions of solid state and things, the interface at the front of the drive has always historically been this SATA, SAS, or spinning drive-friendly architectures where there's always an amount of time required to rotate a disk around to get to the point where my data is stored on that disk. And SSDs are instant again, back to this, I need it now type of infrastructure. And so now we made them faster, but we were using those legacy interfaces. So that didn't buy us as much benefit as we could get until this evolution of the latest interface, which is classified by uh, the industry as non-volatile memory express or NVMe for those who aren't ultimately familiar with it. That removes all aspects of this legacy infrastructure, which opens up that pipe. But now again, to Andy's point, there's always a fire hose into a garden hose somewhere. And as long as that garden hose exists, whether it's somewhere between your endpoint and your cloud, your cloud and your analytics platform, whether it's inside the server, inside the rack, inside the data center, or inside the you know, global infrastructure, you're gonna create a need to utilize the information you're trying to transfer at that garden hose level, even though you've got a fire hose available, because that makes it much more efficient. And that's what a lot of people are looking at now. I mean, a perfect example is you look at uh, our friends over in Europe in the Amsterdam area, they've banned future builds of data centers in Amsterdam because they're consuming too much power. And existing data centers can't expand unless they stay inside their power envelope. There's not a lot of ways to do that unless you start looking at new infrastructures and new architectures to bring you that solution. And things like computational storage, you take a, a drive that can do some analytics in real time, coupled it with a really high performance, high capacity storage server like from Andy and EchoStream. So you put our drive in their box, we give you a lower power envelope. And since we accomplish tasks faster, we consume less net power, we're giving back. And that's, that's almost more valuable in cases like the Amsterdam situation than the other benefit, which is just faster results. Okay, so we've been mentioning computational storage a little bit here. Uh, I want to unpack it a little more. So traditionally, you have the brain power in the CPU, which reaches out to, connects with, and talks to the SSDs. And NGD is shifting where that intelligence comes into play with computational storage. And with all the focus on AI and data processing using platforms like NVIDIA or Xilinx, uh, how does computational storage address these key issues? I know you've already laid some of them out, but uh, give us some more context. How does it address those key issues with data transfer and storage, specifically, like you said, with handling data faster and more efficiently? Yeah, so for, for my point of view on that, and to, to kind of dig into that a little bit deeper, w the concepts of computational storage is not something where we're trying to necessarily replace existing infrastructure. The infrastructures we have today, a lot of people think if I build this, I have to replace something else. And that's not what this whole movement is about. It's about making what you already have more efficient by doing an upgrade of one component. So this concept of GPUs and FPGAs and things like that to do acceleration are still needed. 
they're still useful. There's there's certain workloads that just cannot be managed even by something like computational storage. So it's bringing together another key aspect of that infrastructure and making it viable for the user in the most seamless way. So it needs to be plug and play. It needs to be able to do different things that a customer or a developer is capable of doing without a lot of retraining and new effort. And because you're always buying storage, no matter how you look at anybody's infrastructure roadmap, anybody in IT knows you got to buy more storage because the data I have today is not going anywhere and I need to store the data of tomorrow. So as I add new storage, if that new storage can do something new and more innovative for me, then I can adopt it much more, much more efficiently and quickly and maybe help save some budget as a total TCO of the system by not requiring these accelerators to increase these pipes because my pipe is now more efficient. Just uh, want to add more, and um, I, I think I agree with Scott on the uh, computational storage, more like a complementary to other solutions like the GPU servers uh, or FPGAs uh, from Xilinx and NVIDIA. Um, there's certain type of data that um, necessary to use uh, those uh, bigger solution in the in the data centers, but um, there's something. Um, also, some of the data set also uh, needed computational storage, you know, like what Scott said, the uh, I wanted now type of uh, uh, solution needed. So, uh, yeah, there's two different types of data set that uh, we can uh, figure out you know, which one is going to the, uh, the GPU server and which go to computational storage. You know, I think what's interesting about the work that NGD and EchoStream are doing is that what you're furthering here with computational storage is a great microcosm for the kind of collaboration and ecosystem that I think is really needed to address these structural issues in data storage. Um, and, you know, like you said, Scott, not necessarily replacing the infrastructure that already exists, but finding a way to expand on it in a way that is efficient and quick. Um, so how does the work that each of your companies do for computational storage solutions, uh, do you all think represents a larger piece of this ecosystem? Yeah, on the EchoStream side, um, we pro provide platforms uh, where um, NGD uh, solution, um, which is their computational storage drive, um, that can pour into our platform, uh, whether you are at the uh, edge computing or in the data centers to that require efficiency um, that's provided by uh, NGD. Yeah, and from our perspective, we look at it and uh, we build the, the storage product itself. It's got to go somewhere and working with an innovative leader like EchoStreams and some of the platforms with the newer form factors like the enterprise data center small form factor known as EDSFF, it's created some new SSD specific platforms that have been on the forefront of making the data centers more efficient, smaller, more power conservative, things like that. And the amount of capacity you can pack of our solution into an EchoStreams box, perfect example is we can give a customer up to half a petabyte in one U, which is a pizza box with a petabyte of storage that happens to have the ability to process with 150 plus cores of processing power. You can't find that anywhere else on the planet. And that's one reason why something like computational storage can add so much more value. So as y'all were developing this computational storage solution, what were the main use cases out of the industry that really influenced NGD's solutions? Um, and how did 
the collaboration that you've had with EchoStream kind of help weed through those use cases, find the ones that really applied, and uh, basically come together with something that was effective and efficient? Yeah, for us from an NGD perspective, uh, the company when it was founded was founded on the premise that all of the people that work here have a long history of doing storage products for customers, and we spent a lot of time in front of customers. And a lot of the pain points they were bringing up were never going to be solved by quote unquote traditional storage. It needed something else. And so we use that as the premise for designing, developing, and implementing what we have in the way of a, a computational storage product today. Um, and then as part of that, in the whole ecosystem concept, you need to be able to have partners and or customers that work together to say, here's how we're gonna solve that. So we went out and put together a working group that is a for, that's formally defined and created this now computational storage as something you can actually look up and know exactly what it means. And then the collaboration with EchoStreams has to do with perfect example is a customer that we both have been talking to needed a solution about a capacity play, which we could help solve, a compute play, which we both can help solve. And it happens to have a pizza box requirement of a 1U, which is a perfect implementation of what EchoStreams did. So we had actually a, almost like a three-way collaboration to put this first effort together and it's just continued to progress with more and more customers since then. The uh, customers that um, Scott mentioned earlier, you know, there's a there's a uh, requirement actually to uh, get a competition inside the storage because um, they want to have a lower latency uh, type of solution that uh, not require sending the data back and forth to the network and uh, the use cases of this is actually quite a lot. Uh, this particular customer that Scott mentioned also would like to have um, what we call a pattern matching. So in um, artificial intelligence, you can try to match uh, the data set that you want based on specific uh, criteria, you know, say if you want to search. Yeah, so it was, a, it comes down to solving the customer's problems of actually creating a platform that they can develop a solution on. So to his point, there's also other customers we've engaged with. So you have things like pattern matching, which is an AI-like algorithm. You have image similarity search, which is another AI algorithm. We have customers that are using machine learning where the problem we have today with machine learning is where the training is being done. Mass amounts of data are required to train and if you only have one set of CPUs or a GPU or, or FPGA accelerator sitting on the side doing that analysis of that data due to the training, it creates a bottleneck in actually getting in a more efficient model. And so things like federated learning, which was introduced by Google, can be accomplished with things like computational storage. And you just look beyond even AIML, we can do things like database acceleration, Hadoop platforms. And then as you look at the edge, I mentioned a couple examples before. An airline company is looking at finding a way to analyze the data coming from a flight in real time. And today they just can't do it. No matter what horsepower they throw at it, there's just physically too much data to move in an efficient manner to beat the plane's turnaround time at the gate. And with computational storage, there's ways of solving that. And we'll be able to share more about those types of things as they come available. That's a pretty incredible application. Um, I'm sure that could absolutely revolutionize a lot of pain points with air travel today. Definitely trying to push it in that direction. And of course, at the end of the day, it makes the plane you're riding safer. And that's really what it comes down to. 
sure I can make a little bit of money on it. Sure. We can make the, the platforms a little bit faster to do their work. But at the end of the day, people are just playing safer. <laughs> right. Right. Pun intended. Yes, exactly. So by bringing the processing cores into the storage devices, I think this creates another exciting change, um, which would be a decentralized approach to data centers. Uh, what kind of impact do you think that would have on data center infrastructure and the businesses that benefit from those data centers? So from a, a you know, a way of proving out the value of it, it, you have to look at it from a total TCO of the the whole infrastructure. And it's not looking at it as a pain point of, I need more storage or a pain point of, I need a more efficient server or whatever. You have to say, what is causing this IT person's nightmares and how can you put together an ecosystem that solves that for them? And one of those things that this type of capability by giving them the processing and the storage, it alleviates them trying to put all the different Legos together in ways that they're not meant to go together. So if you think about compute as a Duplo block and you think of memory as a mega block and you think of storage as Legos, they don't tend to fit well together. But if you can put them together where the, at least the interconnects of the three are, are properly aligned, you can be much more effective at, at building your IT infrastructure and solutions. And then the other aspect of that is you stop having to try to mix and match in ways that is abnormal to system architectures. And that's where we get into things where we, we can get into longer term conversations around composable and hyper-converged in this concept of and uh, NVMe over fabrics or storage over fabric protocols, for example. Yeah, just to add that, uh, Scott mentioned earlier the um, uh, the power in the you know power consumption in the data center basically limited. Um, so with this uh, computational storage, this also lowered the TCO um, for uh, network operator and uh, data center operator to to have a capabilities to compute and uh, analyze the data without increasing the cost of the power consumption. Which all seem like great benefits, obviously. Um, but as this continues to roll out and hopefully become more standardized, I think you could have your naysayers that call this just another form of, you know, quote unquote, emerging technology. And again, that often gets correlated to quote unquote flash in the pan kind of technology that it's great. There's a lot of potential, but for some reason just doesn't catch hold. What would you say against that? You know, what kind of case would you make against that flash in the pan aside uh, for computational storage? Yeah, for from my perspective, if you look at it, when you bring new infrastructure to or new emerging technology to market and, and you're not an Intel or a Samsung or some major corporate name, you have to make sure that you develop the entire ecosystem of that. You have to get the right partners. You have to have the right lead customers. You have to have the proof that what you're doing isn't something that's a solution waiting for a problem, but actually a solution to a problem that has existed for longer than that product's been developed around, if you will. And that's kind of what the focus was from our perspective of computational storage. Now, I will admit openly that there are multiple companies that are developing variants of computational storage. And since we're all in this space, we're all trying to develop a new ecosystem. And currently, none of it's competitive. We actually all got together and said, let's help the market understand how to use this. And we've spent the last year more focused on education, more focused on getting into standardization work. 
and working with organizations like SNEA, which is an industry organization to help educate and, and make everybody look and work together in a common fashion. And by doing that, and then getting partners from my perspective at NGD with EchoStreams as a delivery vehicle of a solution that is a very innovative delivery vehicle, it prevents it from dying on the vine because you've created so much momentum. It's a snowball rolling downhill, right? Eventually it's going to turn into something that everybody's going to know they have to have. And we've even pulled now companies like the Intels and the Samsungs and the Microns into this effort. And they all agree it's something real. And you get those guys on board, you get some of their customers to go, hmm, even the home, you're done. And it's it's a successful market from that perspective. So then do y'all see a lot of value in not being ultra competitive with this technology right off the bat? Because uh, that's definitely an interesting approach to something that, you know, you could say is emerging, something that has a lot of potential to kind of share the wealth a little bit and get a, a standard approach or a standard deliverable or at least just create some kind of standards within the industry of what you'd like to see in these products before then being a little more competitive with the solutions. Um, you know, what kind of value do you see in that? And why do you think that's the right approach for this technology? So I think from that point of view, um, cooperation or uh, frenemies is never a bad thing. We all know that uh, single sourcing anything for a customer is a problem. And so uh, if you only make it available as one flavor to one way to buy it and it has to be done that way it becomes less friendly in the open market today so that's one reason why what we do on the inside is not what someone else does on the inside but how they both talk to the customer it can be the same and that's why that effort you just have to make sure you put the the focus on that effort in the in the right place in the right way yeah um agree with scott here um i think the whole industry um basically going towards the computational storage and we all see the benefit um, and having ecosystem and the whole uh, industry that uh, like SNEA and all major players, Intel, Samsung and Micron also looking at this. Uh, as a matter of fact, there's a few articles, um, um, I believe uh, if I'm not mistaken, Forbes uh, or Bloomberg mentioned a couple of weeks ago that uh, this could be a, a revolutionary technology then everybody from uh, the cloud provider actually looking at computational storage and uh, inside the edge computing could be a, a next wave that we're looking at. All right. So to kind of wrap up this conversation, one last talking point here. I bet a lot of the clients that you have to communicate with uh, as this continues to standardize and you continue to have some of that cooperation, like you said, Scott, um, I'm sure those clients don't really comprehend the intricacies of these solutions yet, though with videos like the one I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, um, I think that really helps clarify the basics. When you when you get it down to layman's terms and you can visualize it a little bit, that's helpful. But, you know, clients don't always have access to that or the time to watch a whole video or to even listen to this whole podcast. So naturally, you've got some of those, I'll call it language barriers. So how would y'all, in summary, explain this uh, computational model from cloud to the edge? And what would you say makes computational storage valuable if you had to summarize it in kind of an, an elevator pitch fashion? Yeah, I mean, so I've practiced, of course, my elevator pitch, right? Uh, the, the idea right. that <laughs> analytics are needed more real-time than ever, the amount of data we're generating is creating 
massive haystacks of information that we're trying to find very small needles within that haystack. And by being able to create a way of digging through the haystack in a much more effective and efficient way will always prove out to be something that is a way forward for certain customers, certain ways of doing things. And so it's just a matter of helping people understand what their needles are and how quickly they can actually get access to them if they try something like this. And last, it just it's off the shelf. You plug it in and it works. That's truly part of the, the biggest benefit. And also putting the storage and compute closer uh, in the NGD solution, basically that will reduce any latency um, and that will actually speed up all the uh, computational in the in the drive and that will give you an instant um, solution instead of going through the network. All right. Well, Scott, Andy, thank you both so much for joining us on the Software and Technology Podcast today, breaking down the future of computational storage, how it can impact the data centers of today and tomorrow, and what some of the hurdles still are um, to getting this to a point where it's a standard in the industry. All exciting stuff. We'll have to bring you back on to continue to chat on this as it becomes more of a standard. Um, and again, if people want to learn a little bit more about computational storage, uh, Andy and Scott, where should they head to either consume some content, maybe read some articles, giving some more insight on computational storage? Yep, you can visit our website, uh, www.ecostreams.com. And uh, we also have quite a bit of content and educational material on ngdsystems.com. Wonderful stuff. All right, Scott, Andy, thank you both so much for joining us. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode. And if you like what you heard and want to listen to previous ones, you can head to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. You can also find our content on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And make sure you leave a rating and a comment wherever you listen to your podcast content. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B. Till next time.